Hello and welcome to another episode of the Walk the Line podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Guys, today's video is sponsored by Wave.co. Wave turns your podcast or social audio into engaging animated videos to share on social media. Wave gives you the power to leverage audio content to create social videos that drive more reach and engagement around your brand and content. Great for promoting episodes, podcasting episode, highlights guests and sharing show clips. I've used Wave for a number of different uh, years, to be honest, ever since I really started doing this podcast. And I use it all the time when I promote my stuff on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. There's so much you can do. It's fantastic. You've got paid plans and you've also got um, uh, free plans as well. So guys, please click the link below and that will take you straight to their website. So have fun with it. Guys, I've also got my merch page is now available. It's been gone for a couple of weeks now. I've had some great feedback on it, which is fantastic. Thank you so much. So guys, if you fancy supporting the page, you can get hoodies, you can get caps, you can get stickers, mugs, all paraphernalia. Check it out. The link's below. Check it out. Really appreciate it if you can support the page. And uh, if you do, I thank you so much. You'll get 10% discount if you sign up to the Facebook page. You'll get a free 10% discount on your first order. And also, guys, it's free shipping. God, I am far too good for you guys, aren't I? So it's a win-win situation. You buy a nice, fantastic-looking hoodie, and I get free advertisement for it. Happy days. There <laughs> you go. Right, guys, on to more important things. Today's guest is Vix Layton. Vix is a stand-up comic which who has burst onto the comedy circuit over the past two years with a vengeance. Vix is hilarious. She is also the host of the Comedy Arcade podcast, which is a great aspect of the show. You know how live events are really struggling over the past year due to COVID. Vix decided to take the bull by the horns and start a podcast where she actually gets her friends from the comedy scene and bring them on and have just have fun with it. It's also, it's great fun. They do games. They just take the mech. Uh, it's hilarious. There's some really big names on there. So please check it out. Link below. Also, on Sunday, the 21st of February, Vix is going to be part of the Leicester Comedy Festival. I mentioned before, this is going to be an online event. Comedy scene has took a massive hit. Live events has took a massive hit. So they're now going online. Now, Vix is going to be part of the Leicester Comedy Festival, which is incredibly popular for a number of different years. They're going online. Click the link below. Their actual lineup on it is going to be cracking. I've signed up already to it. It's not expensive. Have a look, see what you think, and support. Support your uh, your comics and your comedians out there. There's more to life than just um, these guys that you see on telly. There's people out there trying to make a living, trying to do some trying to do some good and make you laugh in this really crap time. So there you go, guys. Link below. Have a look at it. So anyway, without further ado, please welcome the extremely talented and absolutely hilarious Vic Slayton. <laughs> So Vix, thanks very much for taking time out to join us. How are you getting on? I'm very well, considering. I'm feeling quite optimistic about the world with like the vaccines um, rollout going astonishingly well, frankly, for anything Britain has done. So 
He's a bit scary. It's like, right, hold on a minute. Why is it so? Why are we so efficient all of a sudden? We're supposed to be the fuck ups of the world. We're the second, yeah. apart from the Americans, they're at the top. But we're supposed to be like kind of closely second. And it's I gonna trust it. <laughs> something's gonna happen. Something wrong is gonna happen, <laughs> and it's all gonna go and crashing down on us. Typical British style. We don't do things by abs here, do we? No. And um, obviously the days are getting a bit longer as well, so it's a bit brighter outside, which I think does definitely. Yeah. Influence this... my uh, my optimism. I yeah. seen this thing the other day. I seen a video when somebody was complaining, an American girl was complaining about the, the new British strain of COVID. And they said, What do we call it? The UK strain or something like that. And then somebody just chimed in and just went, I think we're now going to call this Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, That's brilliant. I love that. That is fantastic. So it's been crazy. It's been a crazy, crazy start of the year so far. And uh, I'm a little bit hungover today. Because I've seen, you, were, you, you mentioned you were sitting there drinking away, and I'm just like, because it was Valentine's Day yesterday, and um, we decided, obviously, with the other half, we decided to sit there and have, like, a, uh, a Marks and Spencer's meal deal for a tenner. Nice. To be fair, there's a, a story about this one, but we got that, but then we found that we still had a bottle of uh, gin in the cupboard. She's got a bottle of gin in her cupboard. Um, she did have a bottle of gin in her cupboard. That's gone. Because um, she doesn't drink. So she has a oh, she, no. she doesn't drink. <laughs> so she goes, I've got this bottle of gin here, and it's one of these like kind of fruit flavored gins. And I just went, Okay, next thing I know, this thing's gone. And it's like two o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, oh, shit, no. I gotta go to work tomorrow. Well, I don't need to get I, I need to get up for work tomorrow, but not much happened today at work. It wasn't a good day. <laughs> so yeah, so a little bit fragile. So I've got my cup of tea in front of me. I've gone hardcore Monday night, got my cup oh. of tea. I would have absolutely rinsed you if you turned up at the pub because you said this is like a few mates down the pub if you turned up at the pub and ordered tea i would have absolutely rinsed you <laughs> i never um... do i never do that i think whoever walks into a pub and orders <laughs> tea or coffee i used to work behind a bar right and whenever someone used to come up and say oh can i get a cup of tea a friday night some guy some old deer walked up and goes can i get a cup of tea please and i'm just like what the fuck's the matter with you what are you doing? This is a pub. It's Friday night at a pub and you're offering, get out. Just fucking get out. You know, I, I was so disgusted. I'm so judgmental. I'm so disgusted by it. I'm like, what are you doing? London's a bit more like open-minded to that kind of stuff because I guess everybody likes attention. So you can just order oh a cup God. of tea. It's a nice, quick shorthand for being, I'm not like other girls or I'm not like oh other guys. God. Look at me I with my cup of tea. As much as, yeah, some, sometimes it's just what you fancy, I guess, but I'm from South Wales and yeah, you couldn't order a drink at home in Cardiff without, if it's double up for a pound, the barman oh. will rip you to shreds yeah. if you don't pay that extra quid. Like, yeah. Cause yeah. they're like, but it's a double, it's, it's a good deal. And you're like, yeah, I just want a light one tonight. And they will not <laughs> accept that because everybody in Wales, it's, it's a joke in it that everybody's supposed to know each other. But I think part of the reason people think that is because we behave like we do. Yeah. Like strangers will get all up in your business. Um, I tried to buy a bottle of champagne for my mum for Mother's Day um, a couple of years ago, because obviously not last year, because no one was allowed to see each other, but a couple of years ago, and um, I was at home, and I went to the bar, and it was about 40 quid for a bottle of Lanson, which is about supermarket price, so they mispriced it for a start, so yep. it was actually... In, to, to my mind, because I've been living in London a while, a good deal. And so I tried to, I tried to buy it, and the bar woman just wouldn't. She just didn't want to give it to me. She's like, "But Prosecco's only nine ninety nine today." But I, but I want champagne. I want to celebrate my mum. 
but sh- this champagne doesn't even taste much different to the Prosecco and that's only 9.99 and she just couldn't cope with the idea <laughs> that I, I, I was happy to pay the extra that's <laughs> it. Get to like wrestle it off her and she wasn't happy yeah but when you, when you live in London I think everywhere everything you get outside of London is a good deal you rock up you, uh, you like say like you want a bottle of champagne oh that's 50 60 quid to me that's expensive but to someone from London like bargain get in there yeah, give, so- give me two <laughs> I th- yeah, I'm really popular on a regional Hendy these days. I've got no concept of money. The only thing I haven't shaken off is the extortionate price of a pint of Coke. Because right. I do stand-up comedy. And so you don't you were out before lockdown. I um, made this commitment to myself as a pet in a petty way. So comedy can be there's a lot of gatekeepers in comedy, particularly at the lower levels that right. have a certain idea of when you can call yourself a comedian and when you stop being an amateur, when it starts being something that you can talk with authority on. So when I was relatively new, a promoter told me that I couldn't call myself a stand-up comedian until I'd done at least 100 gigs. So <laughs> That's um, quite a lot as well. It's a lot. Like, it's a lot. It just just in a year, really, to commit in to. And I'm sure loads, wow. of, loads of people are doing it. Like, because they but they treat it as their job, and I suppose if you're yeah. at uni, being out three or four nights a week isn't a hardship. So you probably can rack them up a bit quicker, or if you do a like a slightly low intensity day job. But I'm like my day job is um, PR, like yeah. at quite a senior level, so it's quite a full on job. But I was so annoyed with him that I um, committed myself mentally to doing a hundred in a year, just as a bit of a fuck you. Did, it, did you do and, it? Did you do it? Did you do the hundred in a year? I did my hundredth just Wee. before lockdown, and I was already about three months into that year when I committed to it. So by the end, I was out wow. four or five nights a week, just picking up any gig that I could to make just this arbitrary through. thing that nobody knew I was doing but me. It was like I was in a competition with myself, and then the closer I got to it, the more important it was that I did it. So I was doing gig after gig, sometimes <laughs> two gigs in like a night. Christ. And um, yeah, when you're doing that, you can't drink. At the level you normally would in a pub every night. I was going to say, I was going to say with die. comics, yeah, with comics, <laughs> do you drink before you go on? Because is it for like nerves or do you just like kind of casually go? Because I remember going to a few comedy nights and the guys on stage are absolutely steaming. I mean, I'm not, because the, the, you get some comics that act pissed just because yeah. of the act. You get and they're very clever shtick. and I love it. But this guy was literally, he was off his tits and he was falling all over the place. I'm like, do people, do, is that a common thing when you see people drinking, getting pissed up beforehand? And there are a few schools of thought. Some won't drink um, because they want to be focused and they'll have a drink afterwards. Some some will be drunk and will just bowl up and whether the quality is good or bad for it, it, it doesn't, I guess it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, but yeah, nerves is a funny thing because like I was phobic of public speaking I got into comedy by accident because I had a phobia of public speaking that's um yeah I was really and it was one of those things again because I'm quite petty I'm quite a stubborn person I was really annoyed (laughs) that conferences didn't have enough women speakers I was being asked to speak at these conferences and I was too scared to so I was like part of the problem not part of the solution was a big audience as well was it quite a big audience you haven't even speak in front of well, even smaller audiences, like yeah. the the more in my head I got about it, the the smaller the event would be that would trigger it. It just got worse and worse over time. And I didn't start that way. And there was nothing bad happened to me that I can call mm. back to 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 say when it 
flips because I used mm. to be a real show off. But just one <laughs> you, day, used to, used to. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. If, it, it could be something as straightforward as a throwaway remark from someone that yeah just triggers everything off. Moved me, and then it mm. just built and built and built. I I can't call back any particular harrowing experience I had that triggered this, but I guess sometimes it's just faulty wiring. Yeah, but I just became it was psychosomatic. I'd be sweating. I could make wow. myself physically sick just anticipate wow. speaking in front of like. 10 or 15 people so and it was pretty serious yeah. then yeah it's pretty bad when it starts to get to that sort of like kind of uh, level sort of thing yeah yeah so I just kind of ruled out any kind of performance or speaking but I couldn't keep complaining because mm. like oh women need to step up and be speakers and put themselves forward but Great. not me yeah other women not yet other women yeah, yeah. you're just an advocate yeah. you're an advocate of it yeah. doesn't mean you have to do it <laughs> I really support it. I'm a male feminist. Um, but so, <laughs> so I um, signed up for a stand-up comedy skills course, which was designed to give you more confidence in the workplace. So right. it was kind of a corporate, like stand-up skills for, for the corporate world. Mm. And it was a mix of people in the class of people who wanted to do comedy and people who were just like me, who just wanted to dabble in it. Really nervous, nearly didn't go. Um, but when I got there, it was it was not as bad as I thought. So I wasn't cured by any stretch, but it sparked something yeah. in me. And then I tweeted about it and said, oh, does anyone know how to get into comedy? Because I think I might want to do it and put it on Facebook. And everyone was really supportive of it, but no one had any ideas. So... <laughs> In that way, that that's the when thing. <laughs> it's when you put stuff out on the internet. I've seen this before. You're like, "Can I get help?" And they're like, "You, you can, you can do this. Go you. I'm well behind you." I'm like, "Yeah, but I still don't know how the fuck I'm going to do it. Can you help me out?" Yeah, yeah but you're great. <laughs> you're going to do well. I'm like, "Someone freaking tell me." Yeah, I'm pointing like, in the right direction. Like, every time I get a notification, my hopes get up, but it's just you going, "Yeah, I expect you'd be good at that." It's like, "Well, clearly I've decided that myself. <laughs> that's why I posted it." <laughs> I just like somebody did the thumbs up emoji at you and you're like, that's not helping, mate. That's not helping. You know, I, I'm looking for something here. Yeah, and like when you ask a question and people just thumbs up it rather than answering it, it's oh. like, what, what what value is this added? I get this. I get <laughs> that. Support. I get that now when I post stuff on the podcast or that sort of stuff. So I like to be a bit more engagement. I've literally just... Um, uh, employed my myself a social media manager i know check Ooh. me out it's all right it's, it's my missus that's doing it she's not getting paid for it so happy days but when people well, I, i'm such a bastard right because when people say to me they're like oh so what how's your podcasting going on yeah i've got myself a social media manager got sponsor and all that it's bullshit i'm just blagging i shouldn't say this it's actually real i'm gonna have to edit this out now but it's actually normal it's uh yeah i've got my missus doing it but because I just got wound up with social media and stuff like that. Because when I used to post and say, what do you guys want to have on the show? Who do you think would be really good? And I just got loads of people thumbs up or sharing it and liking it. I'm like, stop liking it. Engage with it. Comment on it. Yes. It's my biggest bugbear. It's like, oh, how's everyone's day? Like, 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 like that. I don't know what that means. I can't interpret <laughs> I that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like this. Well, you might like it. That's great. But that, do you like what I've said? Or did you like the subject? What do you like? And, when you actually, and there's nothing worse when you put your own status up there and then you comment on your own status by putting something going, thanks for liking this. Can you actually yeah. still tell me what? And you're like, oh, that's sad. So, yeah, it's so, so sad. it does so, my yeah, head I did that. I did that and I got all this support for it, but mm. ultimately no practical advice whatsoever. But um, I was followed by a few comedians because I wrote for Sarah Millican's Lifestyle Magazine, Standard Issue. Right, yeah, and, yeah, um, I know that, yeah. Yeah, 
So before it was a podcast, it was a magazine and I wow. wrote for them um, on like consumer finance stuff because I worked at Quidco at the time. And so I had some comedians in my network. Right. So my tweet got in front of the comedian Mark Watson, who's one of my favorite comedians in the whole world. And he was doing one of his long shows because he does these 24 hour, they're like legendary in Edinburgh Fringe, these long 24 hour shows. So he's doing one for charity and to launch a marathon book, uh, marathon audiobook that he was, um, that he'd made. Jeez. And he's asking people to do challenges. So he said, do you want to come and learn stand up as part of my show <laughs> and raise money for Dementia Revolution? And when Jesus. your favourite comedian asks you to do something, you've got to do it, haven't you? Yeah, you've got to jump <laughs> for that. You're like, where do I go? I am on the way. It's not for another two months. I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to be up there now. But I said yes, but it was immediately regretful of the whole decision. I was, I dreaded it right the way up to the night. I, I nearly didn't go. If I'd got the tube, if I had to get the tube and I didn't get a taxi, I probably wouldn't have gone because I really? got well, myself into such a state. Getting what's up? At the idea of being in front of people in general, but people like from the, like comedy, because I'm a massive comedy fan. Even before I was doing it, I was a huge comedy fan. So yeah. the idea of being, being my worst, like the most embarrassing part of myself because I was I'm mortified because mm. I'm such a confident person one-on-one -on -one, that nobody would ever guess that not only did I not like public speaking, but I actively would make myself sick with it. People would be like, but you're so confident. But in a one-on-one -on -one situation, in a party, in a group, as soon as I it's was definitely. the focus, it was a very different, yeah, very different vibe. So it felt like a really big, scary thing to do. Well, you jumped and straight in the deep end, wasn't it? Yeah, but it was, it was amazing. It was a really amazing day. I met loads of really cool people. And I think the weirdest part of the whole thing is it was huge for me mentally it was a yeah. huge hurdle it was something that had been needling me for years and years and years so it felt like this epiphany this brilliant shining path opened up but the next day I just went to work like normal because for mm. everybody else I was describing it it was cool but nobody understood like mm. exactly how yeah. big it was for me as a person because not only did I go and do it I went on my own and I wasn't somebody who went places on their own like if previously if my friends were going to be late to the pub I'd probably hang around outside rather than go and sit in because like, that was that was the kind of person that I was I'd be outside texting well. like texting outside are you in the pub because if it looked busy and stressful yeah. I just wouldn't I just I just uh, would orbit the and there's nothing worse than sitting in the pub on your own is there it's just like I'm waiting no. for someone are you really and you're just getting yeah. judgmental looks from people I'm not a loser I swear so not only did I commit to do this big like mental challenge of getting on the stage with my favorite comedian, but also I committed to spending 24 hours at a show on my mm. own. Now I've booked at going to the cinema on my own before. So to commit to my own company for 24 hours, I, I love to take a friend to things. Was the, I just jumped over these all these psychological hurdles and it meant nothing to anybody else. Like I can yeah. describe it in that evangelical way, but it was a huge shift for me, but yeah, the next day I woke up and I was surprised that everything else was normal. So I was like, but guys, this massive thing happened to me. And I, yeah. I do you know what I am? I'm like those twats that go traveling. <laughs> what, they like, take the year out? Yeah, we build yeah. wells, wells for the orphans over in Singapore. It's such a rewarding yeah. thing for me to do. Exactly that. I'm that person for comedy. <laughs> so whenever there was a break in chat and like nobody asked my opinion, you know, like nobody's yep. asking, I'm like, 
So yes, stand up comedy. Let me tell you how it's like really psychologically changed me as a person. Are you like, walking down oh, the Are you walking down the terrible. office and no one's actually talking about it? They're talking about the football. No. And just you're just like horror in the background, just going. So stand up comedy. I'm glad you asked. We didn't ask at all, yeah. Bex. Oh, I'm glad you asked. Guess yeah. what I do? You're like, oh, okay. Well, scored a goal today. Do you know what it felt like when I stand up <laughs> comedy? It felt like scoring a goal, but psychologically, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just funny enough, something my really phobia happened. Phobia was the ball. <laughs> <laughs> ball. my phobia was up well yes that's it in a football aspect it was the ball was my phobia and the the referee was my huddle that I had to get over because he's a twat as well yeah but you know but guys you know what the real thing was though I was trying to score the goal but my mind was the goalkeeper trying to keep me from reaching my potential do you know what that's like I was locked in a prison that I made do you know what? <laughs> no one knew no one cared they were like Nobody wanted to speak to me at the castle for that era of my life. Um, damn damn you, well, they messed out. God damn that! You're still better about it now. You didn't even <laughs> listen to me when I wanted to big myself up. Yeah, I so listened to you. Of, yeah. I watched. I watched your fucking slideshow of your family holiday last year, Brian. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Yeah, do you know what? Your baby's ugly. I looked at five pictures and not once did I say that. You can listen to me talk about this, all right? <laughs> I contributed to your present when you were on maternity leave. You can listen to me. Um, but... <laughs> so wait, so, so, so but, she, did, yeah. she did this huge thing, which is a massive, massive deal. I mean, was that like the first step? It's, it's getting over it. Just chuck yourself in the deep end. Would you recommend that as a big thing to do if someone else had the same sort of like opinion, same sort of like kind of struggle? Yeah. Just go out and do it. Just do it. And then like, it's like, what's the worst that can happen? And then it happens and you don't die, basically. <laughs> so I got her, do you know what? My, um, my lip was stuck to my teeth. Like my mouth was so dry <sighs> that it felt like my lips had stuck to my teeth. And I was aware of my arms and legs in a way I've never been before. I was like, is this what I normally do with my arms and legs? Like, where do I put my hands? I don't yeah, know where like, I put my hands. hands All of a sudden, you're what sitting doing this. Do? <laughs> what, what's going on? You know, it's like, Vex, what you do? Just put your hands to your side. It doesn't feel comfortable. <laughs> no, all of a sudden, like that happened to me in front of 100 people. And do you know what? It was fine. And then I still got up and did it again and again. Yeah. And it was like, it's almost like immersion therapy, I guess. What was it? What was it? What was it like um, the first time going up there? Was it really like, can I like, was it really, yeah. was it like, can I look borderline like I could literally pass out right now? Yeah, just like white noise, basically, wow. proper white noise. But the next time it was slightly easier. And by the time I left, I, I'd, yeah, I'd met a lot of really cool comedian types that mm. were really praising me because there was nothing better like saying something that was funny and having the feedback immediately of like 100 people laughing wow. was like, that's, that was that's lovely. You, so it's like, like euphoric sort of feeling. The moment when yeah. people laugh because of you, it's like that must, I'm doing something right. That must be a great yeah. feeling to have. Like when you tell a really good story in the pub, but like magnified a hundred times because yeah. they're strangers as well. So you're where they're harder to impress and you're in a forum where there are professionals doing that job and you're next mm. to them somehow not dying. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, to answer that question about drinking, for me, the euphoria, the giddiness of doing something that I felt was so out of my comfort zone probably yeah. carried me through the first 15 gigs. I wasn't nervous in the same way that other people were because I just couldn't believe I was doing it I was just like every time I walk up there and take the mic it's like the equivalent and the mental equivalent of like what I imagine skydiving is like because it oh, felt yeah. so unlikely it was like a, a dream basically yeah. that it carried me but it is the longer I did it the more I wanted to be good at it 
and when you've drunk drinks you're not good Mm. at it necessarily and um, a lot the first few gigs as well like I took loads of mates I didn't know how long this energy was going to last because I am I well prior to this I was one of those hobbyists that would love something with a like a deep angelical zeal for two or three weeks and then if I wasn't immediately good at it I would fuck it off so like roller skating like I'm looking for the sport that I'm immediately good at basically I haven't found it um dancing (laughs) it's not dancing but I buy all the kits I'm literally the dictionary living embodiment of all the gear and no idea so when I started doing this I assumed that would go the same way like I do it for a couple of months then it would get a bit hard yeah yeah then it starts to go like no I don't like this my my legs are hurting a little bit I don't like this and it was a fun little yeah it was a fun little novelty for everybody because i'm like 36 now but i was 35 at the time and like all my friends thought it was like hilarious that i was doing something so ridiculous yeah outside of everybody's because all the people I, i work with like my friends are all in similar industries and none of us are doing stuff like this so my world was quite narrow like yeah. lots of accomplished people but you realize how many people consider this their worst nightmare as well because like yeah. people were happy to come and support it for the sheer bravery that they perceived that I was doing it so I had like 10 mates coming wow. like people just the first like couple of months of gigs were not short of mates and they were all buying drinks it was a big festive party so I was probably like they were probably the worst gigs I've ever done I was absolutely wrecked all the time <laughs> but the more you want to be good at it the more I became aware of it and I tried to find the happy medium of it so it's like mm. how many can I get away with yeah what's, what's the, then... how many drinks is like you know right two drinks I'm a bit a little kind of merry three drinks I get a bit handsy so I, I want to five drinks yeah. I just dance about everywhere it's like the, 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 the yeah it's a scale stage of where it goes i think i prefer to have one or two because i think i get a bit intense about it yeah if i'm left to my own devices so i think i like the chill factor that you get on that first pint oh pints pints and pubs remember them i remember them many oh. days ago many days ago but when i'm yeah I, I remember when like when you go to the pub and you go it's like some of the sort of thing for myself it's like going on a night out and it's just like you know you're young and you're back in the day you're out there you're on the pool you bunch of lads yeah i'm just going out in the pool i'm going to go out there and chat to all these women but i need to have a few drinks first next thing you know you're absolutely steaming you can't even talk and you're like oh, and you got to it i like you and you're like oh my god and i sat there and look back i used to sit there and wake up the next morning my dad used to go to me to pool last night i goes no i have no idea why but then i look back <laughs> now and i'm going no fucking wonder you were a mess to be fair yeah, <laughs> I would respect women who were pulled by me less. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I dodged a bullet there. You know, what I mean, it's like it's like you dodge a bullet because the next day I woke up to this girl start chatting the way to her, talk complete bollocks. I used to have, um, well, my nickname back in the day used to be Ryan Walker shit talker because I literally <laughs> talked to anyone, and it was ridiculous. I'd, I'd walk up to the bar and they'd be like, "Where's Ryan gone?" And he's, I'm at the bar chatting oh. to anyone. Man, yeah, man, woman, dog, cat, I'll talk to them. And one of the times, remember when you used to, and, and like the supermarkets and Asda or Tesco's, you used to get these machines that make like cards, business cards. You chuck like yeah. a five and you get like, I don't know, like a hundred business cards up. So we went to, we had a party around my mate's house one time. Uh, so we went back in the day when they had like the, uh, the deals for beers. It's like three crates for 20 quid down at Asda. So we used to all bowl down there. There's about three cars full of us going down there and my mate film he went missing don't know where he went to and off he went and we where is he came up we met us at the end and we went oh yeah so we just jumped the car and drove back didn't think much of it 
fast forward about two years, right? And this is funny because and all of a sudden, someone gives me this card and said, is this you? I remember chatting to you a few months ago. And just to let you know, your mate came round and gave me this card. And I went, what's this? And I looked at it and he went and made a card saying, you have just been shit talked by Ryan Walker shit talker with my phone number <laughs> underneath it. And I was like... What? How long have you been doing that? And he just stood. He went two years. I've been doing that. Every time you go up to the bar and chat shit, because you can see the person wants to get away, but you're so involved in the conversation. I just walk behind him and give him that fucking slip with this little card. I'm like, thanks for that. Appreciate You'd be a it. Perfect stand-up comedian. That's basically what the, what the whole genre. It's you just get that. To sit to a, a room full of bored, oh. non-plus people. For <laughs> Do it like all the time. <laughs> constantly. It's my day job. Oh, I'll probably, I'd, to be fair, I'll probably get too excited because my accent, I, when I get too excited and nervous, I talk like a thousand miles an hour. I'm just like, but it just comes out like a Scottish noise, you know? Yeah, and it's well, just like, same. yeah, More well, yeah, you can, you can get over the yeah. Welsh as well. And it's just like, what? And people are just looking at me, uh, uncomfortable look. Do you get that as well when people can't understand you? And you just, you can see the glazed look over them. They're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, just, just nod and laugh. Yeah makes less it makes everyone less uncomfortable yeah. it makes and me feel you better. know they're not engaged when they're yeah. not trying to understand they're just nodding and smiling it's like <laughs> no you're not responding to the things that i'm saying <laughs> in a, a way that is appropriate <laughs> exactly that's it and it's just like that sort of thing so so you've been so you've been doing the stand-up since doing that how long you've been doing it for now this is like two years now oh. um but one of them was obviously <laughs> slightly different to the other ones so i did over 100 gigs in, in the end live yeah and then lockdown happened like two weeks after I did my last one. And um, there were, I had a couple of gigs booked for that couple of weeks. And I started to read the room a little bit in terms of health. Right. Um, yeah. And you're just like, yeah. didn't feel comfortable doing them. That's understandable. So, and there was just such a, nobody knew what the right thing was to do. Like, do you carry mm. on? Do you cancel? Nobody knew. When it, yeah, that's it. Everyone was, it. Japan, Everyone was up in the air. Is it mostly around London you were doing it? Is it or did you just all over the yeah. country? I started a night at home in Cardiff as well, because uh, mainly because there were friends and family there that wanted to see what I had. And yeah. um, there was loads of talent at home, loads of comedians that I hadn't seen before because because I'd done this hundred gigs and the circuits, they're like several open mic circuits almost running concurrently, and right. everybody picked one. So they were like certain gigs for certain people like it or not cliquey but sort of cliquey yeah so they, they know all each doing... other yeah they're all everyone's yeah. on each other's shows and all that sort of stuff and they're all yeah. beating up after and going around their house for sunday lunch and shit like that so i do occasionally would break through onto like a new night that i tried somewhere but ultimately i was probably doing the same 10 nights like gig nights right. over time and um, so I've seen the same people over and over again. And then I went home and there was all this talent in Wales that I hadn't seen before. And I'd wow. only seen, I think, two Welsh people on the circuit in my whole time doing it. Really? And you're always thrilled to see them. And you're just like, yes, Welsh people. But I know we're funny. So I found that weird. Because it's not like <laughs> there are funny. Welsh people in London. I know we're funny. We're funny people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I went home to Cardiff to set a night up. And the talent there, the quality is extraordinary. Really? So but that's like, do, you think it's just, yeah. do you think it's just lack of opportunities for them? The reason why they're not involved? Because it's obviously... Cardiff to obviously London. It's, it's not that far. It's about, what, no. two-hour train ride? Something like that, or two-hour drive, three-hour drive? So, but it's so just South Wales and Bristol are kind of twins. So, the yeah, people that were good in, in South Wales were going to the Bristol and Bath 
West Country nights and right. then the Bristol people would go into Cardiff but it wasn't extending up the other way because like I said open mics are quite cliquey and they mm. and you don't want to take a punt either because the, the slots are five minutes it's not so, much it's, it's traveling that distance just to come into London and then five ten minutes could be shit. you could, be <laughs> you could suck like, ass <laughs> Well, no, but also, like, a lot of the nights were running right. because open mic is not known for, for quality. Uh, you know, good. everyone's got to learn. So open mic yeah. is kind of learning your trade. And some comedy fans love it. Some comedy fans love the whole process of it. They love being there I at do. the start and they value going all the way to see someone who's doing really well and saying that they were there. They just love all comedy, good, bad. It's all yeah. part of the experience. And I'm more of that person, so I used to enjoy the shows like mm. i do my five minutes but i'd i'd watch the rest of the show because it yeah. was good fun plus you can but, learn off them as well for some people yeah. that are just starting off you could learn and said oh i like the way you do this sort of way how did you learn that and you could literally kind of learn off each other sort of thing but a lot of people were more the other way that were more i'm doing my five minutes i've got my head in my notes preparing mm. for it and then afterwards i like sometimes you had to stay because that was a condition of performing on the night but if you didn't, they just go. And there were so many open mic nights. Everybody thinks they could run a night. It's it's bloody hard, as I found out myself when I started running a night. Yeah. Um, everyone thinks they can. They just say, oh, you just need a microphone in a room. But there's so much going on in London all the time. You could see pro comedy. Like you can get on the tube and go 20 minutes and see anyone TV level pros doing new material somewhere. You don't oh. necessarily need to go and watch 10 people who might be good and might be shit. <laughs> in a pub that looks like the start of procedural police drama because a lot of the pubs <laughs> I did were in areas that I would never darken the doors of these pubs were I not going in to perform like really because they were the places that were quiet in the week and would give you the room mm. for free or they'd give you the room on the proviso that you sold drinks right. so you had to push people to buy yeah. drinks but again open mic people if you're doing four or five a week a lot of them are just doing this or doing this with whatever job will pay for them to do that they didn't have the money to buy drinks so they're all buying pints of water i'm like standing at the bar like kanye west going (laughs) come on it's me drinking wine on my own is shit someone drink with me i will pay because i've got because i've got a job yeah (laughs) like a career job so (laughs) i can afford to have a glass of wine every night but yeah and i'd be yeah but that's when i noticed i was like fuck when i on the nights i didn't want to drink I think I paid four pounds for a pint of Coke, sure. and that I could have had a pint for it. Like, yeah, you could. How yeah. Did, how did Diet Coke reach the threshold of a pint? Like, <laughs> and so I was usually, yeah, I would usually have the pint, obviously, because I'm not a mug. But that's the only time I ever felt the real pain of yeah. not living at home but, anymore. When it was like, oh yeah, that's three ninety five. It's like, what? But it's yeah. just syrup. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, because obviously but, uh, the other half, she goes out and she drinks Coke and all that sort of stuff, and she spends like a tenner or that, you know, and I go out. I, I'd be lucky if I went out and spend less than 100 quid. I would think that would be a cheap night. Yeah, but that's how it should be. Whereas yeah, if course. you're you're just having soft drinks in a round and somebody's having like a bottle of wine, like 15, 20 quid, you're the expensive person. You're the person that had a starter <laughs> when no one else did. You're the dessert yeah. mug. Like, <laughs> you're the dessert mug. 
And it's always one, isn't there? Oh, it is. And it's like, we're all going to pay the same. So you've just yeah. driven up the price for all of us. And we're having you starters. We're having, and everyone, yes, you do have that when everyone's around there. And you always have that, can I look at each other? Are we having starters and mains and dessert? We'll just have starters and mains. Okay. Yeah. Who wants dessert? I'll just look at the menu. Don't you fucking dare. Don't you dare look at this menu. We've got places to go. We made a decision together yeah. as a team. <laughs> we've had this it's, an, it's like an unwritten unconscious decision we've all looked at each other and eye contact right no puddings and there's always one sitting there like who's like, heads full of like, Looney Tunes cartoons you know when you look at someone you can tell if you actually think what's going on in their head it's like do, 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 do. you're like yeah it's always you you're the one that's going to fuck yeah. everything up mate yeah you're going to have a Sunday, aren't you you're going to have a brownie an overpriced brownie and we're all going to pay 20 pence for it <laughs> totally not worth it I tell you and you had calamari to start three <laughs> courses fine then you son of a bitch <laughs> son of a bitch so so a lot of people have um a lot of comics and things have pivoted because of the 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 uh what's happened with covid you've done something similar though haven't you as well because you've now yeah. done all your podcast and getting comedians and stuff and i caught up a few of them and it's so funny they're brilliant i was I have them on the background when I'm doing my work and I'm just sitting there giggling away and the other half's going, what are you laughing at? I'm just like, you don't want to know. It's great. Oh, and it's really I know. good Someone, fun. Someone's going in a, in a very different direction to others. But that's the beauty of it. Um, basically, a lot of comedians, everybody made a little choice about what mm. was going to suit them at the start based on what they thought was quite a short-term thing. Yeah. So some people just immediately went, right, we're going to put our night on Zoom and see how it goes immediately brave souls <laughs> some is... people decided they were gonna just wait for live comedy to come back yeah and they're still waiting and, um, well some of them are still waiting a, a lot of them like me climbed down off that quite quickly <laughs> <laughs> initially i i swerved it because it just felt unnatural like the feedback loop doesn't work so well on like a zoom initially it was very much like everybody because everyone was a bit shifty about doing video calls at the start because I used to yeah. hate video calls Couldn't stand it. I never understood the value of them like in my day-to-day -day, if somebody was like oh let's get on Skype I wanted them killed like <laughs> I just didn't understand why we couldn't just talk on the phone Excuse me. so I was really I hated it yeah. so it took me a good few weeks to get used to seeing my own face on the screen to, to it feeling normal so initially it just felt like the most ridiculous anti version of what we were doing mm. as performers but some people are really good at it and some people have adapted and they're as good yeah but the first goes at open mic trying all kinds of things like all these little solutions popped up like Streamyard and house party oh, and God, all these yeah. different ways of of communicating with people and they were all shit yeah <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. And you know, because they had to learn, but do you know what? And they were the brave people that did it first to work out all the bugs. So the people who came along three or four months later knew what worked and what didn't and were able to set something up. If those people hadn't been shit at the start, none of this would have been built. So yeah. a, a little scene was built underneath and it was probably galvanized by pros were suddenly available. And you yeah. could used to if because I used to book pros for my in-person lives and it was based on their schedule and sometimes you'd have to put them on they'd be the headliner but they'd have to go on in the middle because they have like a paid a better paid or a paid gig later on yeah, whereas all of yeah. a sudden now comedians can do five in a row <laughs> they oh, can yeah. sit from seven to eleven there's no travel time there's not there's nothing so, yeah, that's the thing is is they're not they're not doing much they can't say i'm busy what are you doing you're sitting no. in your house doing nothing you're totally you're full of shit and all the all the like all the avenues collapse so all of a sudden all these 
pro comedians you could book for a night that they wouldn't give um, rightly wouldn't give the time of day yeah well that's <laughs> in, obviously a good thing world. is that is that the so, reason how you got on to on your show sort of thing that's you got the, the, the names and that yeah, sort of stuff as well i was really basically because i've got i'm so bullshit and because i'm dpr as a day job and like i don't care like i've got no shame <laughs> at all like a couple of my best mates are people that I decided I liked on Twitter and just ardently pursued them until they gave in. Like I have got no shame. I will pursue things just that I want it. to an embarrassing degree. I have no, I've no shame in being an enthusiast whatsoever. So um, when lockdown kicked off, I um, DM'd some comedians that I liked, and I was like, "Look, I want to learn a bit more about comedy. Um, would you come and do Instagram live chats with me?" Right. We'll have a little chat about comedy and um, it might be entertaining for people to watch. It might not. You might pick up some more fans. Maybe you won't, probably won't. <laughs> but what would you time. be up for that? And like, I was happy to bet, like buy them a drink. I was like, look, I'll, you know, I'll send you 50 send you quid. Yeah, send you for a bottle of wine. Or a beer, yeah. or a bottle of wine. Yeah, it's like, if you could just give me the time. I want to learn. I want to get better at comedy. There's not a lot of outlet. And it was a Sunday afternoon thing. So nobody was very yeah. busy. And I met Fiona Allen from Smack the Pony, who was an absolute mm. legend of a woman. Brilliant, absolutely like, brilliant. Because she was like famous in sketch, but decided yeah. she wanted to do straight stand up a couple of years ago. So weirdly, right. she was on the open mic circuit learning the trade, but was oh. so much better than everybody else immediately. You could feel the class, yeah. but didn't want to go straight to pro night wanted to test it out so she all of a sudden just arrived on the open mic circuit so you'd be somewhere and then it'd be like Fiona Allen from yeah. oh, I, I know you yeah and then I'd be saying this to like the like 19 year old next to me who didn't have a clue who she was and I was like show some respect <laughs> This woman led the way for it was comedians. True, like, yeah. Was... Smart the Pony was huge back in the day, wasn't it? It was massive. I mean, yeah, like them French and Saunders, like yep. all female comedians owe them a great debt. So I could not believe that she was on the circuit. So I booked wow. her for one of my nights and she was great and she loved my night. She'd seen other open mic nights. And it was a female run. Yep. I cared about the production values of it. Like I put chips in the green room and everyone got a drink and it just like, it was small things. But yeah, because I had money to spend because this was a labour of love because I was yeah. doing a well-paid job. I still am. I had disposable income that I was. Like you said, you could go out on a night out and drink 100 quid by accident. So I thought I could invest this invest in something that. else. Mm. So I just throw that money at my night to, That's good. to make them work. So I'd met Fiona Allen. So I asked her to do one of the talks. And um, while I was having the talk, Sean Walsh popped up in the comments. Really? Because he's a Fiona Allen fan. He was following her. So he pops up in the comments while me and Fiona Allen are having this chat. And I was like, that is Sean Walsh. And Sean Walsh is one of my absolute comedy heroes. Like, his stuff is so relatable. His yes. is the comedy that I want to do, basically. Yes. You know, we're like, because when you, when you hear something and yeah. it is so relatable, you're like, he is talking about me. Yep. And the way he used to talk about his nights out and the, his observations. Mm. And they were so, they, they didn't have to be heavyweights. Like it didn't have to have some kind of lesson or a message in. It didn't have to be a heavyweight yeah. thing. He just talked with like so eloquently about things that like they're my favorite comedians. Michael McIntyre's the same. Like mm. something that is so basic and so banal, but you feel like you've thought it, but you could never have said it the way he said it. Yes. And that's the beauty of that kind of comedy. Uh, Somebody it's... who just narrates something that is so you but could be so anyone. Yeah. Like you think it's written for you, but actually everyone in the room is... Exactly the same. 
is ticking a box somewhere yeah. along the line in this and experience, it's... whether it's you or your mate or your dad used to be like it. Yeah. There's, there's some, there's a real skill in it. And it's the, yeah. my early, like my great comedy loves because he just spoke to me and it, it felt natural and it felt improvised, even though it wasn't like I <laughs> loved him. And so to see him pop up in it, to be watching did you fan get did you fangirl out were you proper fangirling out i could time? see it happening and i could see loads of texts coming up on my phone because my mates were all watching it and they could see that he was there as well so i could see like ping 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 um <laughs> but it's like be cool Vicks. everybody be cool and i drank um i was, I, I drink on them because first lockdown i was drinking all the time um, and so i just dm'd him and said do you want to be next i saw you on my interview session with fiona allen do you want to be on next week's and he yeah. said yes way happy days <laughs> and he's just he's another like real comedy enthusiast so we had the best chat and he was really in, he was really interviewee yeah in that he gave the mic back to me it wasn't me asking questions and him responding he was mm. genuinely interested in what the open mic circuit was like my experience being a That's woman cool. like it was really cool I mean we just got on really well and like there were so many little incidents like that where I boldly asked people like Sarah Kiewitz is another one who's amazing I DM'd her and was like will you come and chat to me and she's like if we can fit it in at this time absolutely mate brilliant yeah so I got to speak to all these absolute heroes and they were so lovely and so generous with their time Absolutely. that um I yeah and then I kind of ran out of steam on that because it was hard to get people all together at one time in one place to watch it so the numbers weren't brilliant yeah, it's, so it's, like especially 20... if it's live as well. You yeah. have to kind of, you have to. Is it good for Sunday afternoon or is it Sunday night when everyone's at home or do they or they watch? Because you're competing, you're competing against everything else like TV everything. and everything and else. And on Instagram Live as well, people aren't watching that on a laptop; it's on their phone. So if they're watching yeah. you, they can't scroll and they can't. So I was having yeah. people drop in and out, and um, I felt like I'd really enjoyed doing it, and I got a, a lot out of doing it. And the people that watch them have got a lot out of it. So I thought if I could translate that into a podcast Perfect. or what into a show at the time it was like into a, more of a show yeah. where people can watch it afterwards. So I moved onto Twitch, which was not, which was like a big gaming channel, but it's doing a lot now for. Yeah. yeah, like I'm, I'm, I use, I've used Twitch. I do a lot of streaming. I'm, I'm a bit of a, a closet geek. I do a lot of streaming on Twitch as well, which is quite cool. So I know Twitch quite a lot. I did some Twitch shows where I just invited three comedians on. And cause I was, um, because I'm such a comedy nerd, for my favourite comedians, I will listen to any podcast they're on. Like, yeah. so I'm just genuinely interested in them. And I noticed that no matter what the podcast was, if it was free form, you'd find that people defaulted back to talking about what they were comfortable talking about and what was easy to chat about. So it was like, oh, how you get into comedy? All the same questions Usual. sort of got answered that you, you'd you heard. It's It was very, there was a variation on the theme, but you'd kind of heard it all before. And I think a lot of podcasts that I'd seen, a lot of shows that I'd seen defaulted to that kind of format. Usual by with, podcasting by numbers, I like to call it. It's just like, yeah, yeah. how do you get into what you're doing? What are you doing for the future? Yeah. What's, how's lockdown getting on? What have you been doing through? And it's all that sort of bullshit, isn't it? And I didn't want to contribute. Well, I didn't want to put something out there that was the same as everybody else's. Like if I couldn't Generic, add value yeah. or do something a bit different, I didn't want to do it, which is why I didn't put a night on because I... I didn't love the nights that were going on, but I didn't think I could do any better. So I didn't bother. Um, <laughs> right. So it had to be. So I came up with this game where I just crowdsourced 30 topics, random topics from like petty grievances to 
adults who were too interested in Disney. <laughs> <laughs> so just like, designed basically to be vague enough, broad enough that people would have a story about them. Yeah. But different enough that you might not have heard it before. So, you know, teenage yeah. behavior, the worst thing you've ever bought the shittest competition prize you've ever won like stuff that they wouldn't have been asked before and then it's just and then you can you can elaborate from that because it comes like a, a good topic like that you can just branch out and then that gives you more of like a topic because you can branch into something different and you yeah. can move on and it just catapults into something completely um, different from what it's normally asked it's a good it's a good way yeah. of doing it. and it's, it was the same thing as with the interviews like I had something to give on those topics as well. So rather than being a straight interviewer where you are, you're interviewing someone else, if people didn't have a story or if they had a story that related to something that I had a story about, I'm part of it right, as yeah. well. So I am a guest on my own show because mm. if I've got a topic about a wedding that I haven't talked about before and somebody says something that sparks it and the game, there's a game element to it because I wanted it to have a clear structure. So because again instead of getting guests on I thought it was easier to have a a blueprint for what exactly the experience was going to be even decide whether or not they wanted to come on but we don't always stick to it and we didn't stick yeah. to it when it was a twitch show so if everyone's <laughs> chatting you unless it's getting on a bit and you feel like maybe it's a non-anecdote rather than an anecdote in which case then because I've got the bingo ball I can start with the bingo ball which triggers people out like if Seen I think that, yeah. a topic's gone on too long or it's too nerdy or it's too based on comedy, I can get the ball going and go, right, we're going to have a different ball. So it's like a way of moving the conversation on without that's, going, you're being boring. That's the way of getting the, the hook the hook coming out the side of the curtain with a hook and they just grab them and pull them up, the old school way of doing it. It's a nice way of saying, shut the hell up. Yeah, shut up, yeah, and move so on I, now. I built in all these like trap doors to keep us, to keep it from being generic, to keep it from being boring. I really enjoyed doing it and it, it does, worked it's... out all right. I mean, the ones I looked at yeah. were really looked really really good fun, and I was just I was giggling away from like start to finish. And some of the stories on there are absolutely fantastic. It's what it's, <laughs> and you can see sometimes in their faces they can't believe they're telling you. Yeah, and it's like, the, the live telling a story. <laughs> the one that I watched on it was the live one. I can't remember the gentleman's uh, the name actually. He was talking about drinking at home, and he goes, "Yeah, oh, drinking at home is taboo. That's it." And then yeah. after it, he doesn't know if uh, it's it's taboo to drink at home now. It's taboo to drink in bed. So I think it's moved on. <laughs> And it's like, and that's like, I can relate to that, to be honest. You know, you've got a problem, you're drinking and drinking at home is fine now. It's drinking in bed. That's when you know you've got the problem now. Yeah. And um, it did, it was like, it goes in different conversational ways. And some episodes, like, we'll get four women on and it feels, it, go, it goes a bit loose women and it stops being competitive <laughs> at all. And we're all just like, <laughs> bitching. <laughs> but no, we end the episode and we've like agreed to go into business together because we've spotted a gap in the market. Or you get. <laughs> men on that are like they're at the back of the bus like 16 year olds at the back of the bus trying to outgrace each other for stories and like yeah. these dynamics are so much fun and every episode i think every episode i edit i'm like yeah that's the best episode that i've ever done and then yeah. the next one comes out and i'm like nah Top nah it, it was it keeps, that one and that's how that's the good thing if you keep doing them and you think each episode is the best one you've done all the way through i think that's when you're onto something good really to be quite honest and i love it i do it if there were no listeners if if comedians were willing to come on and talk to me I do it for the pure love of it but I because I'm working marketing I had a real need for it to be slick because yeah. one thing I can't I can't make people like it a perfectionist sort of aspect of it sort of thing it's less perfectionist and more giving it the best chance of success because mm. I have given podcasts a try before 
where if the sound quality if I don't know them very well and like yep. say it's a mate doing a podcast and they're like oh well you give this a listen I started listening to it and if it sounds like it's been recorded on like through a shoe through <laughs> two shoes attached by strings to each you other go through a wind tunnel yeah it will put me off and I might not come back to it. So I didn't want, I wanted to stack the deck as much in my favor as I could. So I wanted professional photography. So people weren't expecting it to be shit. And it's yeah. the same, like I always like dress for my shows and some people don't. Some people will come straight from work and they just, they're confident in themselves. But for me, I think the show starts when people get their first look at you. Yeah. And so it was the same for this. It's like, I wanted the picture to look really professional. So people thought this is legit. I expect this to be good because the production values are good. Why would anyone pay for professional photography if it wasn't something that was established? Yeah. So it was kind of Emperor's New Clothes. I built I built it to look like it was established before I'd even recorded the first episode. Yeah. And I paid for a studio um, wow. with the money that would have taken me to Edinburgh Fringe. Oh, <laughs> so I had some money set aside for my Fringe show. And then yeah. when that was clear, it wasn't going ahead. I thought rather than just dwindle it away. I would invest it. So we hired this studio in um, King's Cross in London called Spiritland, where, oh, it's so cool in there. Really? What's it in there? By X- just, I've seen a lot of these popping up around about these kind of studios and the mics, and all you do is just sit there, you've got the big comfy seats and these big mics, yeah. and then they just give you the, the file after. And it's brilliant. And it, it looked really legit for the comedians I booked as well. So again, they thought there must be someone backing this, thinking it's going to be a success, because otherwise what, are we doing in this really and so they behave professionally because of it so they behaved in a different way than they would if they were just logging in on zoom in zoom. their pants yeah because they were in a green room <laughs> and then they were going into a studio and yep. all the mics and the tech were there and so the first 10 episodes are really slick so i thought if you're coming in you might hate the content and that's fine but i want you starting to believe it's going to be good yeah. and i want it to sound perfect and i want every the edit to be slick i want this to sound like a professional thing and um, it, 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 it worked to a degree, I guess, because uh, well, I'm still doing it. It's still doing it. Well, I must have done something, right? So I think definitely. I've done, I find I'm similar to the, I'm in a similar sort of mindset as well. It has to kind of be amazing. And I've messed up on this show so many times. And only just recently, the past two shows, I don't know if you checked them out, the past two shows, my audio is horrendously bad. And I just went, why is my audio shit? Do I need to get a new mic? I've paid money for this mic. Yeah. What's going on with it? And then I realized I had the mic turned round facing away from me. So <laughs> I had this oh. echo. And the only reason I knew that is because when my daughter came around, she was like, oh, I want to record a podcast, Daddy. I was like, yeah, okay. And I looked in the mic and oh. went, hold on a minute. That's the wrong way around. And I'm just like, I am an idiot. Two shows. I, I was, if, I yeah. didn't, if I didn't see that, I would have had the same problems with my mic doing this one right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. So it's, I, I'm, I get a lot better perfectionist sort of side of stuff as well and I mean it's I mean this is just my, like my hobby and stuff like that but I love doing it similar to what you're doing if you're passionate yeah. about something you can see when you're passionate about something you can see that sort of come out in the show itself and the production yeah. value or even in the actual topics and how enthusiastic you are about the thing and it's uh, obviously that shows with yourself because I've caught up with a few of them and the production on it's fantastic and you can hear it crisp and it's it does sound professional and the people and the people that have done it really enjoy it and I, it feels like it could be a live show and so now it's completely changed my idea of what I want Edinburgh Fringe to be if it 
if and when it comes back. I quite like to take this now because I, I like the idea great. of doing a different show every day with whoever wants to do it. Yeah. Like all these cool comedians are about and it's at three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, they come have like and, yeah, they have like a, they, if panel. they do the afternoon set and I'm not they're doing nothing until the evening, they've got three or four hours spare. Instead of just like chilling out and doing nothing, they can jump on and you can take advantage of that free time. Yeah. So it just it just feels like sensible and people have really enjoyed it as a show so i'm doing um leicester comedy festival on sunday so i've got invited right. to do that as um as a zoom show with next up which is the basically the netflix of comedy right so you can if you sign up to next up i think it's like six quid a month and there's a back catalog of loads of established comedian shows like old shows new shows so they're buying All right. inventory but also new comics. So they've started buying, commissioning original material. Now. So they are literally, like I said, the Netflix of, of comedy and yeah. sketch. And so they have, um, they've supported the Leicester Comedy Festival and put it online. And so as part of that, they invited a few podcasts to do a live and I got invited to do it. <laughs> that's really awesome, that to be fair. That's a brilliant, that's brilliant. That's happened on a Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. Does that is that broadcast? Is that broad? Is that recorded or is it broadcasted live or is it both? So you can, it's live, um, so you can buy tickets to be in the Zoom room. So if you haven't got next up, you can still buy a ticket for it for a fiver right. and be there. You can it can be cameras off, um, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, for next up subscribers, they can watch it on their phone or cast it to the telly. And um, yeah, and I've got Mark Watson back to do it. The guy that started Brilliant. it all, so he's coming. He's going to come and be a panelist on the show. Full circle. So, yeah, and it's really cool to be yeah. two years later, almost to the day. So I think it was the 27th wow. that I did the marathon show for him. So almost the day two years later, and I've got a podcast. And he's he's becoming your guest and still of you. And I'm on his. a comedy. I'm on a yeah, a big like comedy festival yeah. by invite. It's that's unreal. It. And like, it just shows you if you put some time and effort in anything that you will reap the rewards. You put the grind in, you put the time and stuff, but you, you see the rewards happening. And it's obviously your proof to that, which is absolutely fantastic. It's, it's one of those tough things, though, because I've, I'm, and it's unfortunate because this is the way that people think. And I think, particularly on social media, I'm one of those people that to the outside has inadvertently like thrived through lockdown. So obviously, I came up with a concept that's worked and I, I can't argue with the fact that I'm better placed in comedy now because of it. Because I know best right. people. I my name's been next to really famous names, whether or not I deserve to be there, like Emperor's New Clothes. But <laughs> uh, you know, I if I'd done another year on the open mic circuit and taken a what would have been a very average show at best to fringe, I'd probably still be slogging away at a much lower level. So right. theoretically. I was one of those people that made the most of lockdown. Yeah. And I don't like those people myself. <laughs> you know, the ones like, How dare oh, you better hashtag, yourself? How hashtag dare 2020. I know, yeah. Lockdown goals. Well, I, I've, I've let Japanese and let lost 20 pounds and now can bench yeah. press a house. Well, good for you, you belly. I don't care. I've just, I've got a drinking problem. That's what I've got in 2020. But I've got that as well. Like, like it, was, it was the hardest, but the thing is, it's the hardest year of my life. I'm like a big person for FOMO. I've got to be busy all the time. Like yeah. basically, I've, I'm like a shark or I thought I was like a shark. If I stopped moving, I would die. Basically, I was always swimming. So I was over subscribed <laughs> for everything. So I'd meet friends for breakfast. Then yep. I go and do a full day work. Then I go and do comedy four nights a week. And I, I was 
outrunning myself because I'm not a huge I'm not a huge fan of me um I don't enjoy my own company I'm not a solitary person I get yourself out there crave, I crave novelty I want to meet new people all the time I want to be I like having new experiences yeah. um so it's been absolutely hellish like the last year like has not like I've made the best of it and I've been lucky that the decisions I made paid off, but by no means, like if I could rewind the world and even if like taking like, cause obviously you cannot not think about all the people that had died, like that is horrendous. But if you took the deaths out of it and no one died, but everybody had to stay in their houses. Yeah. And I think I would hit rewind. Definitely. And I would, would like this to have never happened even oh, if it was like a bigger slog like just personally like just my my own from my own experience of it like there have been a lot of highs and they've been very high highs but the lows have been so low Bad, and it's yeah. one of those things where you feel awkward because like you want to celebrate your successes and normally you would normally you could go and meet your mates and go to the pub and you wouldn't have to put something on twitter to validate that the experience has happened but mm. you feel like you need to like you need some external recon recognition for these little benchmarks unfortunately social yeah. media is the way, Just the way to because it. you can't go to the pub with three mates to pat you on the back and cheers you and go yeah you got a new job so mm. that is our only outlet but it's toxic because then for people who are absolutely heroic for just getting out of bed in the morning yeah because i could equally have been that person if this hadn't ignited something in me and given me something to get out of bed for and there's still days i don't want to get out of bed because yeah. the world is not how it should be but it's i felt weird mm. about being somebody who 2020 wasn't completely shit for yeah and you feel, you feel you feel you feel as if you feel should weird be... about playing it down because you're like also yeah. i don't want to play it down and like it, it was uh, a yeah. really weird situation to find. It's a funny, yeah. Easy. It's it's a funny one by saying like you've actually kind of done something well. Ever, yeah, and you feel you feel bad for making it a success sort of thing. That's the thing. It's when you feel bad and you feel guilty because you've done something like that. And yeah, it's not a nice way to do it. But you have to really be a little bit more kind of observant of everything. But it didn't else. feel real. It didn't yeah. feel real. Like I had to share it because otherwise it just like. I described it this way to a few people. It's like being in a really low budget play where there's no money for you to actually see the event. So you just have two characters talking about the events. Like, oh, we yep. just got this letter. Like nothing feels real, real. without external validation because you are just shuffling around the same three or four rooms. So you mm. do like pull the cord and go, yeah, do you know what? I want people from school to know that I'm doing these comedy gigs with these absolute icons. Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, Get up, you. But it has, yeah, it hasn't been without like because I'm quite a people pleaser and I'm quite an anxious person it it like when I was reviewing the year it did come as a it came at a cost to acknowledge that I have I'm better for it but also mm. so much worse for it so that's it that's it well, hopefully this is we're on the the can the 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 onward spiral of going the onward upward spiral sort of thing well this crap that's going on so hopefully we'll be getting into it so so we've got the the on sunday we've got the the, the gig on sunday anything else coming that's up in the future this not. year any any anything else happening the the pipeline ideally fringe some version of it yeah. whether it's remote or yeah, well, um, i was going to ask what they're actually doing with it they, they, they mentioned what they're doing with it no one knows through, yeah no one knows as it stands Same. but um yeah and one thing that is good about this is that it's shown that you don't need to be present to experience and enjoy comedy True. So I think when this all shakes down, the people that were able to carry on with it, I think there's like a new 
because a lot of comedians that are gigging comedians unless they're on telly all the time they're not earning big money just because no. you're on telly doesn't mean you're earning big money which nothing's demonstrated this more than the situation with lockdown people are very close to the edge mm. and um and they didn't get a lot of love from people in terms of like people as a, a group of people struggling because they're performers yeah they didn't get a lot of sympathy from anybody and because they're yeah. like still appearing on like radio yeah they're like oh you're famous you're earning money look at you we don't yeah, care about you right. but but they don't yeah particularly the bbc is not a big payer because they know it's a prestige thing so BBC are it, was, anyway. it was quite hard to see my friends like really struggling mm. and they'd normally be able to get and say i'll oh, get a different job but even people from like really senior jobs were trying to get jobs at asda like even the like the small the jobs that would normally be available for casual work bartending get that, yeah. jobs you don't necessarily need huge amounts of experience. Everybody wants those jobs, so those jobs don't exist. Yeah. Like bars are closed, shops are yeah, closed. So they had nothing. These were the skills that they had. And it was it's horrible to watch. But hopefully combining live experiences with the opportunity to sell tickets to people who would never make the journey up to fringe but would like to watch a fringe show and might pay yep. three quid, you could all of a sudden have another hundred people paying three quid every day to well, see yeah. your show. That's it, yeah. And so it kind of opens up, yeah. Who can't travel, who can't afford it. Has a lot of benefits. Who can't access the venues. Mm. I hope that stays. I hope yeah. we don't just rip up all the stuff that we learned. And go back, and back to square one again. still exists. Because that'd be really good. That's, there. as you mentioned before, I didn't even think of that. You know, when you've got, even if you still had the live event and people are still going there, you can still have the remote so people could actually tune in, even if it's like a fiver for a show and stuff. Yeah. I would more than happy pay for a fiver to see the end of Fringe. Definitely, that would be amazing. I think that's hopefully, as you said, you mentioned there, that would be something that kind of carries on. And, they and then it's a it. more viable career for people quicker because, mm. like, even the big comedians that go lose money on a fringe run because it's so expensive. Of course. So all of a sudden, there's another way, and maybe that means more working class people will be able to go, or more people from yeah. smaller places that wouldn't normally be able to get three grand together to piss Check against up, the yeah. wall. <laughs> So, it, you know, there might be, when this all shakes down, it might, we might have the chance to start again with some of these things and do them better. Fingers crossed, so, fingers crossed. that'd be, that'd I, be I'd awesome. Like to, I'd like to believe that. But. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed, right. Yes, I guess we'll see. Well, fingers crossed that one. So, Vix, we're going to wrap up there. We've been chatting for a good long time, but it's been absolutely a pleasure to have you on. I'd have a really good shout with you. That's been great. And hopefully uh, everything in the near this year, the, the, the kind of mountain still goes higher and you're still successful with everything that's going on. Look forward to, I'll probably end up catching you up on Sunday because I'm going to tune in, I think. To the, oh, that'd be really nice. I'll have a look you. at that, definitely. Because I'm, I'm a big fan of stand-up comedy anyway, so definitely have that. I'll put the link in the show below when it gets published and that so you can see it. Um, where can people find you? Um, I am at PRVix on Twitter. I like to think that's where I am. I'm my most authentic self on Twitter, <laughs> I think. <laughs> think in that character sometimes i feel like my thoughts are in like 160 characters um vixel stands up on facebook um vixel v-i-x-e-l-247 on instagram and if you google comedy arcade all the various myriad ways that you can find it it's there and it's um the podcast is available with pretty much where all podcasts everywhere <laughs> anywhere you you'll can get it. it you'll find it just google it see that so, there's so many social networks nowadays it's like how many <laughs> you got i've got like seven you're like seven really it's how like many do you use yes <laughs> it's like how many social networks do you actually use two of them out of that seven are you two just yeah 
and it's just like, <laughs> oh my God, but great. Well, Vix, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, let's catch up again soon over the next year and hopefully uh, yeah. be, we'll come back. be sharing your success again. Oh, well, thank you. This has been an absolute joke. So. Take care.